this is the podcast that transcends time. Um, we were supposed to transcend location and be in front of each other, but alas, because we wanted to spend time just hanging out um, and not in front of a microphone. This is our next episode. Um, we've been on a bit of a hiatus, but our lives have taken quite the change more recently. For better, for worse, it's <laughs> changed. <laughs> in London and I'm you know working myself to the bone but we've still got this wonderful side project that keeps us on track and keeps us together and in that meantime we were still fangirling over um what we do in the shadows so and what you already spoiled you already spoiled what we're talking about today so I'm trying to connect it (laughs) (laughs) we're so So, rusty so forgive us for this but it's gonna be a fun time either way we bonded over twilight and then it evolved into what we do in the shadows which you know it's evolved into this <laughs> yeah which has evolved into this um and this is basically what we'll explain um so going through all the characters and our thoughts on season four it's going to be a fun time so stay tuned keep listening and without further let's... ado let us talk about what we do in the shadows Don't sing if you want to live long They have no use for your song You're dead, you're dead, you're dead You're dead and out of this world Alright, so uh, we're coming off of season 4 finale It just happened on Monday and uh, how were your thoughts of season four overall and the finale, Julia? I have released a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> <laughs> if you're curious, you can check out everything that Julia has talked about for um, season four of this on Fangirlish and under her author page. Is that right? Yes, yes, under my author page. So I've been covering all of season four. Um, honestly, the show's always been a great ride, but I feel like this one may be one of my favorite seasons. And I'm so excited to see seasons five and six because I feel like these characters have been on like such a journey. And it's really in season four that you've been able to see, oh, where that's that's where all of this was building up to. So yeah. <laughs> I love season four. No, to be fair, I watched season four very differently the way Julia watched it because she was watching it week by week. I was <laughs> the way I was watching it because of study madness. Uh what we do to the shadows i finished season one uh the year it came out and then i kind of stopped for a little bit because it's really difficult to look for it when you don't have the right streaming service thanks to the stupid streaming wars but we're not getting into the streaming wars today we're getting into what we do in the shadows so every time i'm on my lunch break i'm just gonna watch like 20 minutes so i basically binged all of seasons two to four very quickly then I was watching it week to week after the Go Flip Yourself episode. So <laughs> it, it's in my mind, season four can kind of just merge together with the rest of it. But all in all, I just love this show so much. Uh, what I will say, though, I love season four. Like towards the later season, you can kind of tell that they have way more budget. If like you were to watch season one and season four, they have like so much more money now. And Guillermo's hair looks so good in season four. Yeah, I don't know what they did. They give like miracle grow. It's not like he didn't have hair before then, but it's like it's so luscious. Now. Yes. And, yeah. I just love the fact that um 
the show's grown alongside our friendship because like I remember watching the movie with you it was like one of the weekends that the two of us went to London when you were doing a project for you you're abroad and then I was just like oh come by I have nothing better to do and then so we just watched it in our hotel room and then we watched um, the show in like our dorm room and this is the show that we're going to talk about in our podcast it's evolved alongside our friendship I love it yeah, I I mean you've been you've been seasons two through four, but I've literally been watching the show week by week since it aired. Um, so season four was nothing new for me. The only difference was like I had to watch season four and write about it afterwards, um, which is weird. Finally, getting to put my thoughts about the show on the page, because a lot of it has just been absorbing the dumbassery of it. <laughs> um, but now I finally get to see like where the thought was put into it and like how like these writers are insane let's just jump right in we'll kick off with our favorite gal Nadja so to, in preparation of talking about this what I've also been doing is watching YouTube compilations of like characters so it's like Nadja being the best character for seven minutes Nadja and Nandor being the best bromance on the show for two minutes so stuff like that and then everyone's always really excited to see Nadja and like I'm always really excited to see her as well her outfits are always like stunning killing it working it love her for season four Nadja just decided to quit vampiric counseling and open a nightclub <laughs> well we love Nadja she's the only woman of the house like when she doesn't get her way she'll like yell at them and like explode things and now they have to listen to her but now that she's left the vampiric council it makes so much more sense because she wasn't made to be a, a voter kind of a part of a follower in a group or whatever she's always been a leader please we already know this so her opening her own that's named after her I also Not love just, that yeah. her face is in neon lights she's kind of finally living her dream of you know being the big boss and running a nightclub that you know everyone is excited for um, and of course her ego is gonna be so big because she wants the biggest nightclub in the city <laughs> for her her arc's mostly about like looking for her purpose in season one it was finding her lover in, in his many many reincarnations and then in season two, when she encounters the ghost of her human self, it was like trying to sort of have like achievement so that her human self could potentially move on. But then now it's like, okay, it turns out vampiric counseling might not be the best thing for her. But from what I loved about Nadja this season was just her trying her very best to do, make it as fun as it can. And also her friendship with the guide because trying to get the guide to transform the vampiric council into a nightclub was such a nightmare for her even the weight the weights waves where i can't for the life of me pronounce it because i don't know if it's because of the fangs or because everyone no no difference each time it's just like the waves yeah the waves have to... oh yeah it's because it is because of the teeth it's it's wraith it's like a wreath like okay. a Christmas wreath, but okay. it's a wraith. <laughs> so wraith. Now apparently you have a nice trip to Orlando. <laughs> okay, but the arc that they had that they were like going against the club and, and we're not doing anything until Nadja fixed it. To me that I didn't care for the wraith. I didn't care for the guide as much until then. Because it was really when the guide was able to kind of um, meld the worlds of the vampiric council and Nadja's together. 
and kind of that's what the guide continues to do throughout the season um especially when Nadja's like oh the club is going to shit well I have all these undead souls that we could use <laughs> you just don't um, really like to listen to my ideas <laughs> and you just proceeds to Nadja not really listening to her ideas. I just love Kristen Shaw though. Like, uh, I loved her in Gravity Falls. I love. I liked her when I was watching Bojack. I'm not done with Bojack yet, but like, I like when she showed up, and now her showing up in What We Do in the Shadows is just a fun addition. And I love that she and Nadja kind of became best friends when uh the guys were having like their guys day out and Nadja had that she thought she had the house to herself they had this like mama mia night yeah what what I also liked about that relationship was that like initially they were never on the same page about things like at first Nadja would never listen to the guide and then maybe Nadja would say things like are you thinking what I'm thinking and of course the guide wasn't thinking what she was thinking (laughs) and then at the end they were finally like coherent they were a team together so I think maybe for next season, who knows, maybe the guy and Nadja will open their nightclub together. Then now it'll be like, I don't know, the guide's room or something like that. Who knows? <laughs> There's just a section in the club for the guy to do it her way, you know? I, I can completely that... see that. Yeah. Uh, just I just love their friendship. It's really pure. And like whenever they have like matching outfits, like when uh I, I just love like the guides like really sparkly, like the opening night outfit. Honestly, costume this season, like Nadja always dresses really nice, but this season in particular, I loved it. Well, that's how really you could tell that, like, yes, we were talking about Guillermo's hair, but we could tell that the budget really went up with (laughs) Nadja's outfits. I also loved the little detail. um, I forgot which episode it is, but Nadja has, like, these red streaks in her hair. And and Laszlo has some, too. Laszlo Laszlo has the same. Yeah. Yeah, and it it, just the thought that went into that of saying, like, they're married together and they're going to look and have the same hairstyle, just... So in season four, when Nadja came back from Vampiric Council, and then Laszlo opens the door, and then he sees Nadja doll there, and she's like, hello, and what are you doing here? And then everyone just reunites. What I will say, though, like, that was really sweet, but I kind of wish we had, like, at least one episode of everyone not being in Staten Island, because, like, I it would have been fun to see uh, Nadja's London adventures, and would have been fun to see Nandor's sort of nomadic road trip situation. I feel like we got more attention on Nandor and Laszlo in that episode. And then when it came to Nadja and Guillermo, she was like, well, I just wanted to open a vampire nightclub. Okay, why did London suck? Why did you want to (laughs) open this vampire nightclub so bad? We had a vampire nightclub in like season one. Why didn't you have this idea back then? Not that the show has faulted her and like not developing that but it's like yeah I'm having all these questions now in the coming season what I do want to see is more of like Nadja's antics and I don't know because do you realize in season four there wasn't that many of like arcs of her and Laszlo granted it's because Laszlo's kind of busy taking care of baby Colin but I do want to see back my favorite weird pansexual horny couple back together doing weird things well this this was something I I kind of had a thought about for fangirlish is that like in season three they developed the relationship between Laszlo and Colin because they hadn't had that relationship before the writers were like well this this hasn't been explored so let's do it and in season four it's only like more developed but I kind of wanted Laszlo and Nadja to become those really weird parents 
kind of, you know, outdo the Adams family um, and <laughs> really take on Colin together. And like, you know, they love each other. And you know, Laszlo now cares for Colin, but it's like, I want to see them as a family. And it, there's so many moments where not just like, I just don't care. I don't care about it. And well, she's a yeah. businesswoman. And that's how, you know, husbands in the 50s used to treat their families. So that was her. Okay, that's fair point. She was the breadwinner. Yeah, <laughs> bringing she's a bacon. Bringing home the money with the money laundering that she somehow burns with her club, but okay. But also, I like it would have helped to develop the relationship between Laszlo and Nadja more as well. I mean, I did really like their joint thirsting over the Baron oh, at yeah. Nandor's wedding. Um, to me, that was very, very in character and done so well. But I do think it could have been expanded their, their throughout the season. One of my highlights of like their relationship this season was that scene, and it's just them performing their the wedding song of like who's gonna come in the wedding night. It's perfection. That's their lives as a couple. And if I want eternal love, that's that's the ideal image, you know. Yeah, that's the kind of one brain cell love I want for the rest of my life. Now that we've talked all about uh, Nadja and. Laszlo, let's talk a little bit about her very British husband, Laszlo. They, they are kind of my goals. Like the fact that he's renounced London because he married Nadja and his like high society rejected the fact that he married a girl with no surname. And I was just like, oh my God, Laszlo. I thought that was BS. I could have sworn up and down that was BS so he could stay behind with Colin. Oh no, like he, no, it was the art. It was he didn't want to go to London because um back he left London because his like rich aristocratic society looked down on Nadja and told him he couldn't be with Nadja and he was like fuck it I'm never coming back to London and then Nadja told him well no you can now because we're gonna be like the bosses of the bosses because we're gonna be part of Vampire Council Supreme Council and then he's like oh okay then he goes to the basement and he sees baby Colin having crawled out of the crevice uh, of old yeah. Colin he can come across as the mean but he's such a sweetheart yeah I mean he really started off as someone who didn't care about anybody else but himself and Nadja obviously but like every time they would talk to Guillermo it was Gizmo every time they would talk to Nandor they just dismiss him like everyone else could get dismissed that wasn't in their immediate bubble um and now Laszlo has kind of opened up to care about other people and now it's given less a little more screen time which is what Matt Berry needed to me he was one of the best parts of the IT crowd and now he's one of the best parts of what we do in the shadows <laughs> I feel like he probably has plays more characters that are quite similar to this it's just uh pronounces words wrongly extremely horny and <laughs> our highlight of every scene he's in yeah I had watched IT crowd years before the shadows tv show came out and I was like he's got this it's the same show it's whatever <laughs> I actually think like I knew of Shadows and I wanted to start Shadows because of the movie, but Matt Berry was just like, like the, the the cherry on top for me to actually begin the series. And I'm so happy he's getting the screen time he needs. I need a compilation of his like mispronunciations. There there is one. There because it's not just New York City. <laughs> <laughs> There's more than that. Camera. <laughs> Camera. <laughs> but yeah, so after like watching him do the Jackie Daytona thing and then watch him 
become best friends with Sean. Like Sean and Laszlo is one of my favorite friendships of the show. Every time Sean comes over or like, he's just like, hey, what's up, Laz? Initially, when you start out, it's like, oh, he's gonna like get super freaked out that they're vampires. So each and every time he comes over to hang out, he's gotta get like hypnotized to like seem normal. Like I remember the Nandor wedding episode is just like, we put hypnosis of Sean and Charmaine just to make sure they don't freak out when everyone says that they're vampires. And Charmaine is like, you're vampires? Get out! Oh my god! <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. Like they they resemble one brain cell as well, or not even, probably like half a brain cell. No, Sean those two are half a brain cell. Yeah, they because they can't rub anything together. <laughs> Sean's actually kind of like an incremental part of uh baby Colin's development, I would say. He's the one that recommends that baby Colin goes to private school. He's the one that brings them to his family cabin to go hunting. And parents, <laughs> yeah. See, I will say something about that episode that made me notice something about Laszlo is that he mainly cares about people who will listen to him and like makes him feel important because like Nadja always wants to sleep with him. Sean will be like, you're my buddy. And obviously Colin relied on him as a kid. But like because Nandor and Guillermo don't do that, I guess he doesn't like them as much. But the thing is, he is open to like furthering their friendship when co-parenting baby Colin he was very open to like suggestions from Gizmo. Yeah, it's true that he is kinder when he's being listened to, but I don't know. He also just has a lot of empathy for situations around him. I don't want to say he's hyper-masculine, but like in, in some ways he is, but in the fact that he's still able to like have empathy and care for others is so nice to see. Um and I just want more of that from him. He's, I just want more less though. He's the template for a male wife. I love Matt Barry. He's so funny. The entire episode of Go Flip Yourself when he was so excited to see the brothers. <laughs> and when he when we find out that it was a ploy from Simon Devious to get the witch hat. <laughs> and he was just so... But he, you can see the look on his face. He's so betrayed. Like, oh... Even that final scene in the season four finale when Colin is now fully formed Colin and Colin says, I don't remember what happened for the past year. And you can see how crestfallen Matt Berry is. So he can do drama, he can do comedy, and he can... It's great! He can do drama, comedy, and not change his facial expression at the same time. (laughs) And you get all those feelings and emotions in one sitting. He's just a sweet guy, and he means, well, is he the youngest vampire? Well, I guess not re- technically, because uh, baby Colin, but of, like, the vampires. He's, like, no, the youngest No, I think there, he right? would, no, Colin would be the youngest, because he was already 100 years old, and then started yeah. again. And I believe everyone is about 100 or 200 plus. Yeah. So I remember Nandor was like 700-ish and then Nadja is like 500-ish and then Nadja turned um, Laszlo. He's like, I heard something crawling at my chamber door and the most beautiful woman. But I also love when they add the photos to go with it. Yeah. And it's like the most like scary creature ever. Someone like putting their hands up with their claws in the air. It was, it was my lovely wife Nadja and she's just there smiling like hi <laughs> yeah Laszlo is dad of the year while well, also kind of like dance moms because of how much he's exploited his baby oh, yeah <laughs> I mean I didn't expect Laszlo to be such a great father figure 
but he's done a lot for baby Colin. I mean, Colin's evolved from season one to season four, but it like it really gave him a revamp in season four. And Laszlo was, you know, a big push. Very for incremental in that development. You know, he's just a really attentive dad, actually. Because like he's trying to ensure that his surrogate's son figure of Colin Robinson. He doesn't call him Colin because he wants uh the baby to have a different yeah. identity. It's the boy. He wants the boy to find different passions and interests and be cultured of the arts and that sort of thing but when he finds out that baby Colin is into Nerf guns and musical theatre he does his part and tries to learn like what's in musical theatre and then when he sings Sunrise Sunset it's ooh my heart I know yeah it's so funny how like by accident they discovered baby Colin's talent like that he was the main attraction of the club it's i i like anything with like uh trying to get baby colin to not be boring but you know guess what he's just going to keep saying guess what to get your attention so that you don't get bored by him mm-hmm. oh my god the whole episode where they take uh baby Colin to the night market and he has to meet those fairies I love night market so much (laughs) night market's one of my favorite episodes of all time like I miss Colin when he left and he became baby Colin it's like oh no this weird Renesme thingy it's a weird amalgamation to keep watching that's how you know they have a bigger budget as well because they kept editing his face onto children and that's just weird okay but oh man i still can't help but feel like that cgi was better than smoke she hulk cgi oh yeah colin robinson i fell in love with him my favorite one of my favorite moments was when he fell in love with um another energy vampire and it was a very romeo and juliet situation it was toxic for everyone around them it's just star-crossed lovers of emotional abusiveness of the workspace around them see it's funny because ever since that episode aired i have like lost trust in that actress and eventually i think years <laughs> down the line she ended up appearing in brooklyn 99 in one of the later episodes, oh my god I yeah like, i remember you cannot trust her i don't like her and then i was like oh but she's a dumb character just let her be a dumb character and she ended up actually being shady in brooklyn 99 i was like what did i tell you oh <laughs> and then colin robinson's the kind of responsible one he's the one that's doing the finances and accounts with the password 42069247 I mean he's already lying to Guillermo because your pin can't be more than four numbers so (laughs) the episode of like do you know numbers like do you know what the pin number is so that we can fix the house three one four as soon as he said three one four I already knew that he was like reciting (laughs) See, this just has to prove that Guillermo hasn't been out in a while because he keeps writing the numbers as if that's actually the pin. That doesn't make any sense. But a lot of what happens in the series obviously doesn't make sense. Like, apparently the Renesmee thing was unintentional. Really? People started comparing it to Twilight after it happened. Like, Entertainment Weekly interviewed the writers and they were basically like, yeah, that was kind of an accident. We just thought it'd be funny um, to see Colin grow throughout the season. I will say Colin grows pretty quickly, but he spends a large amount of time as like a a kid, like as the from like, seven yeah. to nine years old, I guess, if you would yeah, kind of guess what his age was. Like, yeah, because 
he goes to private school. Well, he tries to go to private school. It's a whole thing. It's my favorite episode this season, honestly. Um, that and the wedding. Um, where we keep cutting to the many variations of who can be Colin's parents. From, I think, episode three onwards, he was roughly like five to seven years old. And then he just stayed that way, that size, until episode nine. Yeah, and then he grows like into his adult size very quickly. It's Granted, a he's a teenager, it's an but obviously <laughs> you Mark can tell Frost is trying his best to look like a teenager. <laughs> yeah, I can tell he's back his uh normal size. But I what I love is his moodiness afterwards. Like he's gonna blast um rock music. He's gonna give a mixtape to the girl he has a crush on. Oh my god, that was um, so <laughs> awkward. Like it's that thing of like he tried to kiss Nadja and he's just like, oh, you thought I was actually trying to kiss Nadja? No. Emotion this sort of awkwardness is the best sort of awkwardness to feed off of for an energy vampire. Although I did try to kiss the doll Nadja and that rejection stung. <laughs> Yeah, so I thought it was like he was feeding off of that awkwardness because like we didn't see the eyes glow blue yet. But uh, that scene where this is also a really emotionally charged scene where uh, Laszlo was explaining to him, okay, you're growing into these and you're behaving such a way because you're going to grow into an energy vampire. Uh, teen Colin is like, and there's nothing I can do to change it. Nope, it's oh, we can't change the way that we are but what i loved after that was when colin was like oh my god god damn it jesus and last was like oh that stings yeah so shout out to mark Gross. it's really weird seeing him as children like his face is superimposed onto children in post it looks uncomfortable the entire time but uh it's just a ragtag group of like you know found family can be a 300-year-old vampire taking care of a baby energy vampire with his 500-year-old vampire wife who's running a nightclub as well as a 700-year-old vampire who is desperate for love as well as their familiar who's taking care of them and running all of their errands. I'm just thinking about like how the actors are going to go on and describe this series after it's done. Like, How is Mark Prosh going to explain the fact that he played a kid? for an entire season shout out to mark Frost because um i watched what we do in the shadows first then i checked out better call saul did not know that mark Frost was gonna be in better call saul and he's exactly the calling character in better call saul yes it's a small role but it's hilarious when he shows up and he doesn't know that he's like energy vampiring and i'm just like oh my god i mean he he has that look I feel like he should know that he appears boring, but he <laughs> it's okay, Mark. You're not. You're not boring. He's great. He's got great comedic timing, just like everyone yes. on this show, honestly. Yes, and to be honest, the fact that I hadn't really heard of most of the cast before um, I started the series was great because now it's like I feel like I get to um, sort of explore, experience, yeah. yeah, experience new, new funny people. I hate to put it in such simple terms that way, but it, that's really what it is. <laughs> no, it is. Like, the movie where we do in Shadows at that time when it was made, so like 2014, Taika wasn't big yet. He was just making movies with his friends. They created this TV show. Well, it was more Jermaine who created this TV show. Also, this is to clarify, because I think everyone's kind of sick of everyone that works with Taika, and they say it's a Taika thing, and when Taika is doing other things, and they say, oh, it's a Taika show, 
Our Flag Means Death is not created by Taika. He's an executive producer, but he didn't create it. What we do in the Shadows TV series, it was a, it's a germane thing. He's the showrunner, and he's the main guy, not, not Taika. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because I think there's a tweet from Taika that's like, oh, so how did you create what we do in the Shadows the TV show? What's it like running that? And he was like, yeah, so when we got offered the opportunity to do that, I called Jermaine and said, hey, do you want to do it for me? I'm too busy making <laughs> Thor. Yeah, so just a little disclaimer for everybody because we love Taika in this uh, remote watch. As you can see, That's it's our third episode where we just gush about Taika. This is a Jermaine show that we're gushing about. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Jermaine and uh, Stephanie Robinson and Paul Sims for carrying this show. Um, you guys are amazing. And we want to see more when season five and six come. And definitely something that we want to see change is Nandor's character. I now hate Nandor in this, ep- in this household. I didn't hate him before. I thought he was funny. I do think he's extremely needy. But it's fine. That was his personality point. But ever since Freddie, I have lost respect for him. So it, my disrespect for him has probably lasted about two to three weeks, which hasn't been long. <laughs> but um, we can explain more as to why. So, I mean, Kaylee, do you want to explain his journey throughout season four and when he encounters his gin and why we are the, you know, why All we right. feel the way we feel about him? All right, so we start off season four with Nandor. He was trying to find his old native land and sort of do a little soul searching because he left off season three kind of depressed, kind of this kind of an understatement. He was very depressed with his immortality. He tried methods to become human and obviously that didn't go well and then he tried to do eternal sleep except everyone kept trying to disturb him when he tried to go to eternal slumber so he's like fine whatever I'm just gonna go on a soul searching thing and uh, come back a better man except Guillermo was supposed to go to the trip with him however extenuating circumstances of being kicked into a crate left Guillermo unable to follow Nandor to go to his trip so Nandor comes back after causing an accident at the Swiss Canal I'm sorry that whole joke had me cackling for like a week like it's so small but it makes so much sense He would be the exact person to clog up the entire world's supply chain. All because he was hungry. And (gasps) he arrives home and decides that, oh, I need to find a wife. That is my purpose now and my character arc for season four. So he finds a genie lamp. No, sorry, it's a gin lamp. And he's rubbed it many, many times. And Guillermo says, why not you try rubbing it counterclockwise? And... They do exactly that. And finally, a djinn shows up. Nandor has the opportunity to have about roughly 50-ish wishes. He has 52 to be exact, but the djinn refuses to tell him how many he has left as he (laughs) makes wishes. Do you wish to know how many? Nah. (laughs) Yeah, and so the djinn like tries to convince him to make wishes as As many wishes. Well, it's also him being dumb because like, um, he'd wish for the djinn to shut his coffin. And then the djinn was like, really? I could get Guillermo now. 
getting him was a whole thing. Just shut the coffin for me. I mean, he also got his favorite basketball player put in a cardboard cutout. Like, <laughs> I mean, the whole be careful what you wish for thing is something that Guillermo tries to teach him. But obviously, you know, Nandor is it, like, it's Nandor. he never learns anything. Oh my God, Nandor is a child. Okay, I made this point off uh, record, but he really is. Mm-hmm. Um, he does things that a child would do and he's like the oldest of the vampires you're yeah. 700 years old grow up <laughs> well his life sort of you know has been quite the journey because he was at his peak when he became a vampire you know he was the leader of an army that was pillaging villages pillaging villages such as not just village yeah so it's off such a high where now when he returns his home Glad isn't even the same country as he left it anymore it's just completely different now in that society level so he wants to revert back to when he felt happy and he thinks what would make him happy was one of his 37 spouses and he makes the wish to the jinn to <laughs> have all 37 of them come back so that he can do it by elimination <laughs> and find his perfect one Except when he's he gets his significant other, so he selects Mawa out of the 37. Marwa is sweet. Uh, we barely knew you because Nandor kept taking away any of her personality uh, in order to make her perfect. Yeah, I mean, he tries to perfect her, mold her to be the best wife ever, and then mold himself not only downstairs but upstairs as well because the whole episode where he like molds his face and they think that he looks surprised i was also cackling but i think i think nando needs to learn something from naja and lasso in that like the perfect relationship is not perfect yeah you'll still bicker you'll still chase each other around the house your significant other will refuse to toss his cursed hat Despite the fact that someone keeps trying to steal it, your lover's ex-lover might get keep reincarnated, but that's love, baby. Yeah, I think like Naja and Laszlo are able to admit their flaws to each other. And I think that's why they work because like when Laszlo finds out that Naja has had a lover for centuries, he's like, yeah, who do you think has been killing him, darling? Like, <laughs> that's you're still mine at the end of the day. I love um, them. You can have your fun. And it feels like Nandor's had a difficult time admitting his flaws he's Um, also had a difficult time maintaining relationships be it friendships or like romantic wise because he's tried dating several times he's tried to date the girl at the gym and that obviously doesn't work out so poor nandor is trying to find love his own way which is to bolt the perfect woman and the jinn being the jinn He's just doing his job. He's being asked to do something, so he does it. And every time he does question it, it's like, whatever, it's a job. I mm-hmm. This is my purpose. And so when Freddy comes into the picture and Nandor sees how happy Guillermo is with Freddy, he is under the belief that he also needs a Freddy in order to be happy. So he erases the entirety of Marwa and Marwa is now Freddy too and uh it's creepy it's crazy I have no words it's it's really difficult to defend the guy I don't think um Nandor does this maliciously at all but at some point he's got to learn from his own lessons at some point because he his own self-destructiveness is bringing everybody down 
Yeah, it's really unfortunate that uh, at the end of the episode, he's like, I think I did something wrong. I'm like, no shit. Did you? Yeah, you, you didn't notice? Um, but it, it did, like I said, he feels like a child and that like kids want what others have. Yeah. And then like, let's say they get them. They're not like as pleased with it or they don't realize that they've taken away something that someone else is. It's, maybe it's the only child in me. But, like, don't do that. <laughs> okay, as someone with siblings, well, a sibling, it's actually um, very much like you said. It's like, oh, brother has a thing, and I want the exact same thing. Um, so I'm just going to steal it, and then sibling gets upset and then fight. Except very much, you know, Guillermo is just exhausted by this point. It, he's been with Mandor for, like, 13 years in hopes of becoming a vampire and that's clearly not going to happen anytime soon so it's doubly hurtful when Guillermo finds something separate from his vampire life and something that he could you know explore for his own personal life and then Nandor just can't see it that way and it's just really upsetting like the final shot of Guillermo leaving London because Freddy Cest is a thing and that's the only way to describe it yeah that's true it's just heartbreaking because on one hand yeah I get Nandor's perspective because like he thinks that oh that's a loving relationship the equation there is Freddy so being a child he doesn't understand that being in a loving relationship is work from two people because the relationship built from Freddy and Guillermo FaceTiming all the time, whereas he's barely communicative to his own wife, who he shuts up at every opportunity. When eventually Freddy comes over to visit, he's like, ah, so that's what's missing in my life, a Freddy. And then he tells the djinn that, and yeah, that's how we got here. Nandor is on my shit list, and he always will be. I do have a request for seasons five and six, Please put him in therapy. It would be great to get him some like extraterrestrial therapist to determine why he feels so lonely, why he doesn't have a loving relationship with anybody. Because if he's making the equation that a loving relationship equals taking someone else's like Toy. partner, yeah, then he needs to reevaluate his life choices. <laughs> like I remember, like there was this bit that. It was a play to be comedic. Original Freddy went back to London. And so Freddy too is obviously used to be Marwa. So he stays in the Staten Island house. And then when Nandor realizes, oh, I think I might have made a mistake. He tries to give Freddy two to Guillermo. And then Guillermo's like, it's not the same. <laughs> I don't know. I know it's like funny, but it's just like, it's the tragic comedy of it. It's just like, oh, but it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, that was another like little kid thing of like, oh, well, I know I hurt your feelings. So here, take it back. Yeah, but obviously it's not how life works. And we have a really sad Guillermo. And I want Guillermo to be happy. <laughs> yes, I want Guillermo to be happy because Guillermo is my favorite character. I thought yeah. it would be Nadja because she's the first like female vampire we've ever really had as a main character in this like shadows verse um but Guillermo really is my favorite because he's put up with so much shit but like 
when it comes down to it, he has the documentary crew on his side. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Gyo really has come such a long way from when we started, man. When we started, he's just like a familiar who wouldn't really stand up to himself. He's okay being the punching the bag, but when he realizes he has Van Helsing vampire killer DNA, he's non-stop ninja killing every single vampire that isn't the ones that are under his care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the like the original Shadows movie was like, well, here's the familiar, and they're kind of the slave, and they will just stay the way they are until they decide that they want to have autonomy, in which that familiar does become a vampire, but via someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the whole series has kind of expanded that to say, well, Guillermo needs to find autonomy, and how is that going to expand? And this is why I argue that like I could make a roadmap of Guillermo's journey from seasons one through four to see why he's getting You're to right. this point. Okay. So it's not going to be like the most sophisticated thing ever because here on Remote Watch, we only function with one brain cell. So let's go. Always. Um, <laughs> well, in season one, we we are introduced to him and he's like by Nandor's side and he's his familiar. And like, it's like, I really want to be a vampire. But once he discovers that he has vampire heritage, he's like, he doesn't vampire admit killer. it. Yeah. 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 Vampire killer heritage. Thank you. Um, even though it's only 3% and it kind of dominates <laughs> his whole system. I don't understand. He doesn't go back to the vampires and says, oh, I have this going on. Instead, he, he takes it. that to continue to look after them because he cares about them and, like, goes to kill the assassins that are against them and, like, is still hiding his vampire killer heritage, trying to undo other vampire killers um, that are trying to enter the house. Like, he is still very much his familiar identity and he, like, is growing out of that. And so in season three, when he becomes their bodyguard, when they discover that he's a vampire killer, like it's very much puts him on equal level with them. I mean, obviously, of course, they don't See admit that. that. Yeah. But and although they do in the casino episode, when they try to like get to know him, and they're like, so what are your hobbies? And do you I... have interests? Yeah. <laughs> and they oh, finally that's start... good that you have interests. <laughs> it is good yeah, to be they... interesting. Colin Robinson, what are your interests? I like walking. I like going places yeah and they um stop addressing him as gizmo and start addressing him as guillermo because now he's like actually a threat to them Um, yeah they kind of see him as a person like someone to be respected rather than just someone they could push around all the time although you know the pushing around element is still that yeah which is sad because it's like over time he's discovered more as a human but he really still wants to be a vampire which I know. is a question I still have to this day because in season 4 he really decides he doesn't need the vampires um, granted Nandor's Freddy situation kind of pushes him over to the edge but, but that last moment in my mind it's more of his like it's sunk cost fallacy right he's put in so many years so much effort into becoming a vampire why give up on this dream now that's how I like saw kind of saw it which I kind of understand as well but um at this point I do kind of wish that uh Guillermo would have seen that like he could find happiness beyond being a vampire because he sees like how miserable they are living their like weird cycles of like never breaking the cycle you know Nandor being childish and he ends up in the same place that he is he's lonely and then Laszlo, despite the fact he's trying to break the cycle of like being a father, his child doesn't recognize him anymore because 
that entire year is just a, not a thing. Uh, Nadja tries to break the cycle of finding her purpose and then opening a nightclub and then the nightclub fails and she's back to where she started and so like you know you would think that seeing that cycle you wouldn't want to be a part of that anymore but he's also in his own cycle of like I still really want to be a vampire yeah part of me is wondering if like this documentary is being made to show him the footage again (laughs) (laughs) oh because the amount of times he has like kind of broken the fourth wall in a way of like just looking at the, the camera. camera that's when it reminds me that this is a documentary um i mean other than moments where like he runs around the cameraman while he's fighting nandor that was my favorite <laughs> this season like yes I was, yeah i remember like just texting you oh my god camera crew is getting a moment <laughs> there's a shot of cameraman and you're like what and i'm like look cameraman's in this shot i just love anytime we mention documentary crew end of season two uh guillermo goes back to his mom's house and then uh staten island residences in disarray and so not just just like oh you know we can get another familiar and then one that is like 90 years old i can take care of us better how old are you i'm 26 oh is that young or old (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i'm honestly i was so excited to see guillermo steal from the nightclub and kind of become a hustler like his little gold watch and his little bomber jacket like go off <laughs> and the fact that he's like taking care of his family and his family was probably my favorite part of season four yes because it was like a whole big thing for Guillermo to come out to his family but their reaction the fact that it's I don't care that you're gay but why the hell do you want to be a vampire it's, it's like, kind of our reaction as well to be honest <laughs> yes but it's also such a like the series has created this world in which it's okay to just do that like Naja and Laszlo are having sex with anything they want um why should it be a problem that Guillermo is gay so just to have the that kind of straining uh in the show is just perfect it makes complete sense yeah like it's the storyline is treated with such care as well because like we earlier seasons we've never actually alluded to like Guillermo's love life because Guillermo's dedication was to these vampires and anytime <laughs> we try to talk about his love life it's either like dismissed by the vampires or it's just him saying it's just like well I don't kiss and tell and also I don't kiss I just think that it's so nice to see like I, I don't think coming out stories will ever get old honestly and like I feel like especially when uh, Harvey had like such a hand in like creating this character and shaping it to be his own I I just because I saw that article he wrote for I can't remember which uh magazine for Esquire I loved it It great yeah it was so good and it's just I I think he deserves the world both Guillermo and Harvey yeah and I think he had a line of like don't wait for people to welcome you it's like you can build your own house and then when you're ready to welcome them you can that's an so abridged version but yeah. if you want the full line please go check read out his, his... x square article yeah yeah i'm trying to think what other Guillermo bits i just love him he's come so far the end of season two where he like kills an entire auditorium full of vampires to save our our favorite gang and then he's just like my name is Di- Guillermo de la Cruz I don't care what your fucking name is <laughs> we had to pick up our laundry <laughs> And then the end of season three was such like a strong moment of him standing up to Nandor because Nandor didn't want Guillermo to come on his like self-fulfilling journey, whatever. And then Guillermo is just like, 
you're alive because I let you live. Yeah, there's a uh, an article. I can't tell you which publication it's from because I read it so long ago. But it was an article about uh, Guillermo's development and how it's gotten to the point where even the actors will ask, like, is this a Guillermo line? Like, is he a-? like, I think there was a moment from Matt Berry. He was like, is he allowed to say that? Like, would he talk back to us like that? Does that make sense? He's come to a point where he would do that because yeah. and I love that for him. And I like that he's made the decision that like, okay, I won't, my life will not change if I were to stay with these vampires. So I'm just going to do what I can to make my dreams come true, which is to give Derek, the guy that he accidentally left behind in vampire hunting uh, in season two, to turn him into a vampire, which I kind of called because I think at some point I texted you and saying like, why doesn't he just go to Derek? Like he's friends with Derek. We've established this. Like, just go to Derek and ask Derek to turn you into a vampire, man. And you're like, why do you, why does he still want to be a vampire? And here we are. Because it's one of those, like, Bella-type things of she wanted to be a vampire. Stop. wanted Edward to do it. And she could have got, she had the whole Cullen family. She could have asked someone else entirely. But instead, she waited for Edward. So Guillermo's probably waiting for Nandor. And as much as Nandermo is something I don't want to happen right now because I don't like Nandor. I do think that that's why Guillermo has waited this long. It's taken me a while to see like that ship because like for me, I don't necessarily love that sort of like power dynamics in shipping because of mm-hmm. like, oh, he's a servant and he's his master. So it's kind of a little like, mm, but it's fantasy. Everyone can ship whatever they want. It's towards like season three where I started seeing it. Oh, this could be a real thing. And mm-hmm. then Nandor being Nandor screwed it up. So... <laughs> Because that's when you start seeing Guillermo as like an equal to the other Mm -hmm. vampires. So finally, when you see them interact, you're like, they could actually work. Yeah. Um, Except, you know, Nandor is kind of a dick. Kind of. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, on that note, I still love the series. We can sing all the praises we want because like we still love the show despite the fact that one character it's kind of dumb but like it's not gonna negate my entire enjoyment of my entire experience of enjoyment watching this show yeah i i also love the fact that it's a fantasy show but it feels like it's its own little niche at the same time oh yeah that it's it's kind of hard to describe to people what it is what yeah what it is and why you should care about it like i was trying to explain the freddy episode to my friend who'd never heard of the show at all and it just was a whole thing that I had to go back to. It's just like, where do you even start with Freddy? Because like when I was talking about Nandor, I just had to like circle back way back. So yeah, but like this, I've been told that this is a sleeper show. It's no longer it a sleeper. No, show. everyone's watching it now. I, Hop I was, on this bandwagon. Yeah, I was listening to like a writers' room podcast, and then they were like, "Oh, let's go around the table. What are you guys watching?" So out of the eight writers there. Five of them were watching what we do in the shadows. And yeah, so it's, there you go. Yeah, that this show is so good. And As they should, should, because it has good writing, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think about our friendship very much whenever I watch the show because it's grown alongside us. And I'm really happy that we get to talk about it on Remote Watch. Yeah, I like I said, I can't not associate it with you because, like I said, if you forget where you watched the show from the beginning 
It's probably because you didn't have an emotional connection to it. And yet I do to this one. So <laughs> this is yeah. why when I think of shadows, I think of you, which is weird considering how strange and sexual it can be at times. And that's not <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> so for shows with emotional connections, so what are you watching right now? Um, I've been kind of on a slow run with binging things. So I've been covering She-Hulk for Fangirlers. So that's mainly what I've been watching. Um, yes, I do think the CGI is a bit off, but I do enjoy all the things that it's doing for the MCU and expanding not only its story, but its tone and its characters. Um, and I can't wait to see the rest of it. What are you watching? Yeah, it's a new territory for the MCU. But to be honest, I've also been watching She-Hulk and uh, I'm. it's hard for me to follow, even though I'm such a big fan of the MCU. It's just something's just off about it. I don't know if it's because of CGI. I don't know if it's because I know too much law things and I keep pointing out what's wrong with the law things that they're doing on the show or whatever. But I've been watching She-Hulk and I've also been watching Matt Damon in House of the Dragon, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Which, okay, to be clear, she means Matt Smith is Damon Targaryen. But Matt Damon is now what we have... Um, trademarked him is his name i don't think i'm pretty sure someone else has uh tried calling him matt damon i don't think we're the first people to call him that because no i want to be the first people <laughs> i'm the only one we know i just <laughs> checked out the first two episodes of paper girls same with julia because potentially we might have a paper girls episode so keep your eye out on that <laughs> yes, despite the fact that it's been canceled by amazon we're still going to try to give some love to it oh um, yeah and advocate for a reason why it might need a season two. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. A uh, little housekeeping for us. So follow us at Remote Watch on Twitter, at Remote underscore Watch on Instagram. You can find us in our website, uh, RemoteWatchPod.com. You can find Julia in her many author profiles. She has a link tree somewhere. And you can find me sometimes on my medium when I talk about things I watch, which is hit or miss. <laughs> so if we're not talking to each other, we've got words out there somewhere. So if you miss us, go read us. We'll be there. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Remote watch out. This might like cut off your momentum, but like I realize why his family's much more heated than him. So he's three percent, but his mom is six percent. His like abuela is like six times two, so twelve percent. So like it dilutes <laughs> when it goes down the descendants, right? So that's why they're much more heated when they realize that Nadja is still in the house, whereas Guillermo's like lineage is more much more diluted because but we that doesn't that explain in. his cousins because if his abuelita is 12 percent and his mom is six percent meaning that his mom's siblings are also also six percent then his cousin <laughs> then I would also be I have, I, I have nothing to add to that but abuelita and for his mom yeah <laughs> the, the only one who makes the most sense is abuelita and she's the one who tells Guillermo I have all this like I have background. an inkling I have like division yeah I have these instincts um all right, yes. sorry, I cut off your momentum. <laughs> that is a good point. Um, granted, now I'm confused because of all the math. <laughs> <laughs>